Coming up this week, off screen. We join the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Shirley Henderson is never steady and never still. David Tennant's the daddy in You, Me and Him. Juliette Binoche lets the sunshine in. Grease lightning strikes again. And Belle Powley faces off against the wildling. All those coming more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Collett. And I'm John Coulson. Thank you for stepping in, Mr Coulson. No uh, Mr Allen is uh, is off this week, he'll be back next week. It's purely for my scheduling as well. I, we, we could have had him on. So it's your fault he can't be here. It's my fault he can't be here. I have, I've screwed him out of the gig this week, I apologise. <laughs> uh, but uh, <clears throat> we've, got some, we've got some interesting stuff to cover. Uh, next week I think there's slightly more interesting stuff because the biggest film in the universe is out next week. Oh yeah. And you know this because there's NAF all out alongside it. Yeah, there's like three or the movies yeah. out next week so next week just expect us to like five minute chats on like three movies and a lot of Avengers talk yeah. hello there's movies uh, Avengers <laughs> but uh, actually you know, the other little movies are out there's some quite interesting ones in there um, so in the meanwhile though we've got loads of stuff to cover we've okay. got uh, news got reviews competitions all sorts swag in fact we've got a really good competition I'm excited about we'll get to it when we do well we do a bit of news first then we do a competition after it was Exciting. a documentary I really loved so I'm excited uh, but we do need a bit of news to start us off um, shall I shall I go with it first? Yeah, because it works better that way. <laughs> okay, so uh, first of all, do you remember that old eighties cartoon Mask M A S K? Like a full stop between every letter. Do you remember that? But they were a team of like uh, military sol- scientists and soldiers. They were led by a guy called Matt Tracker. It was an animated series in the late eighties, and the whole crack was their cars or whatever could turn into other vehicles. So he drove a red car with gullwing doors, and the gullwing doors would open, and they'd become the wings as his car became a plane. Uh, well, yeah, that yeah, sound familiar? Yeah, yeah. You've seen the image. You'll know the image. Yeah, right. Paramount have been trying to make a movie out of that for years. And, and they've so been, they should. They've been trying to get it to sort of uh, form like a, a shared universe with Transformers and, and G.I. Joe. You know, because the, the world's crying out for that. Yeah, yeah. It, it needs more. Yeah, you know, I mean, I look at the Transformers universe and think, this needs more G.I. Joe in it. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, it does need more G.I. Joe in it. Also, I don't know, writers. Um, <laughs> writers, maybe an actor who's actually trying occasionally. But anyway, um, Mask, they've decided they're, they're actually going to make a move on this. Okay. They're, 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 they're moving. They're moving on this. Uh, they are going. They are, they've gone to F. Gary Gray. Okay. Not like a guy named Gary Gray who you know, they're annoyed at, like F. Gary Gray. They're, no, they're, his name is F. Gary Gray. He did The Fate of the Furious oh, uh, right. recently. He did Straight Outta Compton. Okay. did one of my favourite ever movies, The Negotiator. I if thought you, ever you saw were that. just going to go back to Fate of Furious. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever see The Negotiator? Uh, no, no. <clears throat> that was uh, Samuel L. Jackson versus Kevin Spacey. Oh. I've not watched it since Kevin Spacey became evil. I but, thought, yeah, you know, been written off now. He's been written off a bit. Yeah. yeah, I think the Honest trailer this week was a bit unfair. But, uh, I'm going to have to see that. Yeah. They just replace him with Crystal Plummer for the entirety of Baby Driver. Oh, wow. That's really it. Um, yeah, so F. Gary Gray is apparently in talks to direct Mask, okay. the movie. This is going to happen. Okay. And if you don't get Liam Hemsworth in there, this is a perfect project. Give Liam Hemsworth an action vehicle for a change. This this could work. Huh. I think let's, let's make this happen. All I need is one Freddie Mercury-looking guy with a moustache. Because all these 80s adaptations, they always lack that token guy with the 80s stash. Yeah. 
And it needs to come back. Well, there's, there's actually an actor right now that's got a Freddie Mercury stash. Coincidentally enough, there is. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't have a director, but he has a stash. <laughs> He's just hanging on to it. He's sure. just clean. He's clean. I don't know. Mr. Robot's going to start soon, so I imagine he has to pull a Henry Gavel. I, well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah this way's round it. People's this faces don't look weird and boxy. Uh, so, podcast plug for this week. If you want to download the extended edition, which in the case of this week is just going to be more film news and more Nicolas Cage goofery at the end of the show. Nice. One of us went to a, a double billy, really wants to talk about later on as well so oh, yeah. we'll, we'll let him do that yeah. uh, clue in a Vol Schwarzenegger um, just go on to iTunes Deezer Acast you know, podcast platform of preference yeah. find your off screen show it's on there it's extended it's fun it's powerful it's film stuff for your ears um, <laughs> uh, in the meanwhile uh, competitions go on to onscreenfilm.com go in the competition section and at the moment you can now win DVD copies of Hedy, Lama- Hedy Lamar a uh, bombshell the Hedy Lamar story yeah uh, which I was a big fan of. This was the documentary that kind of told you the true story about she wasn't just a Hollywood starlet. She was actually uh, a, a Zuckerberg meet Stephen Hawking level genius who could have changed the world if she weren't, you know, a woman in the 1940s. Ah, right. A woman in the 30s and 40s. She invented Wi-Fi, you know. Oh. Yes. She also recently started an episode of Timeless. But not as herself. Oh, right. She was played by an actress. You know? Okay. But uh, it was it was interesting. And uh, I had a drunken conversation with the producer of that movie on Twitter. I didn't realise she was the producer. I'm just going to be honest about that. Did, did they realise that you were drunk? No. Okay. I, I was quite drunk, and I said the words, have you seen that movie? It's awesome. Just, I produced it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So, so you must have seen it then. <laughs> my, my, my apologies. <laughs> but I didn't follow up with, well, then, have you seen it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that happened, by the way. I got absolutely smashed on a train journey back from London once and watched the movie Beyond Skyline. Okay. You know, the sequel to... Right, Skyline's awful. Yeah. So I watched this thinking, I'll just, you know, smack the hell out of this for 90 minutes. Yeah. Whilst under the influence. I live tweeted my way through. I started really enjoying the film. Nice. And this comes across in my live feed. The director of that movie just got a hold of me on Twitter and just started taking part in it. He was loving it. You and Kel for the spiders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Big ass spider. Mike yeah. Mendez. Yeah, yeah. He, he was awesome. Yeah, he got in touch with us on Twitter, didn't he? He loved it. Yeah, if you ever talk about big ass spider on Twitter, Mike Mendez, madman Mike Mendez, will track you down for a chat. Yeah. And he's awesome. Just let him do it. In the meanwhile, let's talk about our first review of the week. Let's talk about the Guernsey, the Guernsey, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Yeah, I saw uh, this advertised and I was like, mm, long name? Long name. Um, it's such a long name, in fact, that for the remainder of this programme, we are going to refer to it exclusively as Guernsey. Okay. Like Dunkirk. Guernsey. That's how this is going to work. And this is a post-war tale, so you know, not entirely removed from Dunkirk. Yeah, um, this stars Lily James, stars... It's got an all-star cast. Lily James, Matthew Good, um, Michael Hoosman, I believe, from uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, I, I, I thought he was the guy from Outlander. He's not. He's Sam, also surname, be ending in H, uh, beginning in H. Um, it's got uh, Penelope Winton. It's got Tom Courtney. It's got uh, Jessica Brown Finley. It's got Catherine Parkinson. It's It's got a cast. It's, it's got a cast. Imaginatively enough for a movie, it has a cast. Uh, right. Said ca- Oh, and Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Can't talk, forget about Glenn Powell, because Glenn Powell is awesome. Um, <laughs> if you've never seen Everybody Wants Some, uh, 
No. He is the greatest reason. The movie's great anyone, okay. and anyway. Everybody wants some. Everyone wants to see the movie. That's how it goes. All right. Um, he's awesome. He's the best thing in it. It's a great movie. You must see it. Okay. Okay? There you go. I think it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Watch it. It's great. Anyway, it's got Glenn Powell in it, who's also in Guernsey. And, <laughs> right, it is based on the novel of the same name, uh, which was published ten years ago now, uh, by Molly Ann Schaefer, and I believe after her death, final edits were made by her niece, Anne Barrow, I believe. Okay. Um, it's now been adapted for the screen. Uh, the story is, post-war, you've got a young uh, female writer in London, uh, Julia Ashton, played by Lily James. She is contacted by letter. Can you imagine those days? By letter. <laughs> I know. I know. By letter. Right. By letter um, by uh, Michael Hoosman's character, who's on, in, on Guernsey. And basically, he has encountered a book by Charles Lamb that has previously belonged to her. Okay. He's fascinated by this book. He's raising a young girl on the island who is the daughter of a now-missing friend. And he wants the, you know, more books by this author. He wants a specific uh, anime, uh, illustrated take on Shakespeare written by Charles Lamb, the author of this book. She tracks it down for him. They form a sort of correspondence. She then becomes fascinated by the existence of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Right. Travels to Guernsey okay. to find out how they were formed. Spoiler alert, as you find out in literally the opening scene of the movie, it's because they needed a way to get past the Nazis at night. Because the Nazis occupied Guernsey. Oh, okay. And yeah, the only yeah. way you were allowed sort of, you know, to walk down the street after sunset was if you were, you know, especially as part of a group, was if you were part of a club or, you know, union or something like that. Right. So that's how it came about. Once she gets there, she discovers that, uh, the, 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 the burgeoning frisson, as it were, between her and Michael Husson's character, character, um, is clearly leading somewhere else. It calls into question her relationship with Glenn Powell's character, who she's left behind at home. And the story of the Guernsey, why can't I say it? <laughs> Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, the GL Triple P. <laughs> That's what they're going to be. The GL Triple P, yeah, you know me. Um, <laughs> their story uh, will lead to events that will absolutely change her life forever. Here is a clip. Dear Mr. Adams, books have been a refuge for me too. When I lost my parents, it was the world of books where I made my home. They saved me. Absolutely. I beg your forgiveness in advance in inviting myself that I must come and meet your society. I so hope that you might allow me to sit in on your meeting and to learn more of your story. Let's lay the blame at Charles Lamb's feet and allowing me to think I might be welcome at all. Your sincerely, Juliet Ashton. So this comes to us from Mike Newell, yeah. who has been around the block a while. You know, right. Mike Newell, he goes back a ways. Did a Harry Potter movie once, you know? Oh. Yeah. So Mike Newell knows how to direct this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, he could do this, you know, with no effort whatsoever. Um, there's, there's a faint amount of effort in there, to be fair. It, you know, it looks the part. Very pleasant looking, you know, it's very twee, it's very, very Guernsey. No, no. You know, <laughs> it, it is exactly what, it looks exactly as nice as you expect it to. Um, the problem actually with the entire film lies in the script. Right. And the script sits between two elements. Those two elements are the relationship between Lily James and Michael Hoosman and Lily James's investigation of the missing friend and, you know, the circumstances surrounding the GL Triple P. Right. I'm sticking with that. I like it. Um, right. The investigative element of the story isn't anywhere near as involving as it should be. 
even though it's literally the plot. Yeah. The relationship between Lily James and Michael Hoosman, great. Great stuff. Could have watched that as the entire movie. Wouldn't have cared about the rest. Right. As it is, really didn't care about the rest. Mm. Um, Michael Hoosman and Lily James have genuine chemistry. I think she's great anyway. I mean, she is what we refer to as a rising star. Yeah. Um, and deservedly so. She has got real charisma. And even you look at something like Baby Driver, for instance, she has the charisma in that. Um, although, for me, she won me over with Cinderella, if I'm honest, like three years ago. So, yeah. <laughs> I liked her in that. I did, you did. Because that was a blank slate of a character, and she actually did something likeable with it. Yeah, no, um, did, that yeah. continues here. Great sporting cast, big fan of them all. Um, it's that script that just doesn't quite work for me, and I think that's that's a shame, because I like Mike Newell, I would, I would, I would like to see him do well, and I like the cast. And I even quite like the story. It's just not that interesting, to be honest. And, well, I wanted better out of a film that required this much effort just to say the title of just in case, GL Triple P. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Carlson. Hello. So, uh, what should we do now? Do you want to do uh, a piece of film news before we talk about Greece? Because, yeah, I think I think we should. There's, yeah, there's two things that I'd, I'd like to talk about. Okay, what would you like to talk about? So, there's a new poster out for a the, certain film. The new poster for which one? Is that for Halloween? Yes. Right, okay, yeah, go on. So, new poster. Yeah. Looks terrifying. Yeah. Don't like horror films. Don't like horror films, okay. Bit scared. I have watched horror films with you. I'm aware that you don't like horror films. So, I remember the time we blew a, we blew the power box in my house during Event Horizon. It's the one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, new posters come out, and I'm already scared. Uh, it is just the face of an aged Michael Myers mask as well. It's but, terrifying, uh, though. I can't wait for that movie. It's going to be so good. October 19th. I'm first in line. Can't be waiting. Can't, can't be waiting. No, it, it's just going to be great. All right. But, uh, uh, do you want the other bit? Uh, go for it. What do you got? All right, so we've had a trailer out for a second film of Denzel epicness. Yes, yes, we have. Where he... The, the equal to Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> equal to because that's literally how they've written it. Like, it's tack three all over I'm again. I going to tack three now. It's tack three, man. Why do it? Why yeah. do it? It's like when seven years ago... S-E-7-E-N. Yeah. S-E-7-N. 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 Yeah, that's how it works. But yeah, there's a trailer out for the Equalizer 2 or the Equalizer 2. I'm just going... I mean, Sequelizer, a lot of people calling it. That's come about. A lot of people calling it Sequelizer. I like that but uh <laughs> have you seen it uh what the the trailer yes i have and i'm a very very big fan um i, I like denzel in that role i love him in the first one yeah he's great isn't it? i think it's going to be interesting to see how they mine a sequel but well, then again it was based on a tv show to begin with so there's obviously some mileage you can gain yeah, out gonna of say, this yeah, there's going to be some repeat information i mean the, my favorite thing about the equalizer in hindsight really is just that sequence in wolf, wolf of wall street when rob reiner goes nuts that someone's phoning him during uh, the equalizer <laughs> hello right oh gene because <laughs> he affected this weird british accent <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's your weekly reminder that I'm obsessed with The Wolf of Wall Street and will watch it every chance I get. You love that film. I do. I really do. I mean, it's good, but... Yeah, you just can't, you can't look them straight in the eye. It's, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie so much. <laughs> right, uh, let's talk about a movie I like less. Okay. Um, <laughs> even though it's apparently a classic. So, Grease is back in cinemas this week. Really? Uh, yeah, it is, because yeah. it's the 40th anniversary of Grease. Yeah. Well, you know, last year was the 40th anniversary of Star Wars, so this year, 40th anniversary of Greece. Yeah. Next year, 40th anniversary of Alien. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I just think these things are racking up, you know. Oh, oh God, if that comes back to the cinema, though. What, Alien? Yeah. Oh, it's so good on the big screen. Oh, it's gonna be we gotta go. If it comes when that comes back, we gotta go. Yeah, I love that film, and it scares me, so... Oh, well, Grease scares me, um, <laughs> because Grease is the 1978 uh, musical... Uh, <laughs> this, this was, obviously, this was kind of... This was part of the two-punch move that made John Travolta a star. It was pretty much this and Saturday Night Fever back-to-back. Yeah, yeah. It was about two years difference between them, but... When this comes along, it takes him from being, you know, the rugged Brooklyn bad boy to being, now he's the greaser bad boy. Hence the clever title. Well, yeah. Uh, and obviously the story is, you know, teens who fell in love on holiday in Australia, reunites by accident or, or by chance at high school. Yeah. Uh, no, they weren't in Australia. Anyway, they, they were at the beach. They've come back to high school There's after the summer. There's a song that explains it. There is. <laughs> there is. And I watched the film this week. That's the annoying part. But I've seen it so often. Yeah. Anyway, back to the point. So, you know, Star love she's uh you know in the girls clique she's kind of a goody goody he's in the boys clique he's kind of the bad boy will they change how they actually are in order to win the one they love well there's literally a song that we all know that tells you how that goes uh tell you what here's a clip from greece in case you need it hey, i got a surprise for you oh yeah yeah <laughs> sandy Teddy? What are, you, what are you doing here? I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plan. <laughs> well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, my mom literally married a guy because he reminded her of John Travolta. Wow. In this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that man is my father. <laughs> <laughs> we know this. Every nice item of clothing he has, he refers to us as his John Travolta jacket. <laughs> anyway, um, kind of the way I do with Tony Stark. Anyway, um, surprisingly, the movie hasn't aged. It's, it's very strange because Greece always existed in a bubble anyway. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, you know, it made in 1970, it's set in the 50s. And the very strange thing about it is that it, it's always maintained that timelessness. Unlike Saturday Night Fever, which is of a time, of a place, and it's the time it's made. Yeah. Greece was already a period piece to begin with. It was already 25, 30 years out of time to yeah. begin with. And as a result of that, and, and the fact that they've always clean, kept the, the print relatively cleaned up and up to scratch, up to date with current tech. The film can show up on screens now and still look like it's you know, a retro revival film that's been made now. You know, like one of those throwback pictures. Yeah. Kind of like a greatest showman type thing. That's cool. Now. I like that. That's cool. Yeah, and I like that about it. The performances shine through as they always have. Travolta obviously has a star quality. I mean, Olivia Newton-John, you look at and just think, wow, you're going to have a great career. Oh, never mind. Um, and then the Stocker Channing, who I think is already about 45 at that point. But... Uh, Stocker Channing is still around, by the way. Yeah. She's on stage now in London a lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But and, and also the butt of many American dad jokes. <laughs> but if Case were here, he'd be telling me all about how she was in uh, West Wing. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, you see it again now, and it is interesting that even the most staunch cynic will sit there and sing along to all those songs. I did, I will freely admit, yeah. sat there singing, Goo-Gree's Lightning. Yeah, you know, you can't resist. Yeah, you, it, it is, it's such an infectious soundtrack. Obviously, there's those ones that you don't remember, though. You, you know the ones, there's always those two or three token tracks that you don't remember. Unless you're in 
Kells family. Yeah, I go about yeah, musical yeah. family. So I imagine that films on a lot. But uh, yeah, so um, Greece is back, 40th anniversary in cinemas this Friday. Um, funnily enough, it's on Sky Cinema a lot as well at the minute. So that's not been cleaned up for the 40th anniversary. But, oh, right, so but I believe it's still HD. Definitely worth going in the cinema for it then. If you can see it in the cinema with the crowd when everyone's singing along, that's you should. It's a good time. It's yeah. a good way to spend like a, well, not a, a blistering hot summer weekend evening like we're having at the moment because yeah. we are sweating our asses off here. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you can enjoy a night with your buddies in the cinema, sing along to Greece. Why don't? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, are we going? Are what... we doing Magic Mike? Yeah. That, that was our thing. I do actually love. Magic I do Magic. Yeah, I, yeah. I Magic Mike XXL man. It's the bomb. <laughs> anyway, okay. All right. Before we talk about Let the Sunshine, let's have another piece of film news. Um, can I talk to you about Movie Pass? Do you know about MoviePass? I do a little bit. You do a little bit? Yeah. Right. So this is like, kind of like our unlimited cards that we have for Cineworld. Yeah. Uh, but this is in all cinemas. There's one in the UK called Cinem- Cinemia, I think it is, with an S, okay. that works this, a similar way, but not exactly. Right. You pay a flat fee to MoviePass in the US. It's like nine ninety nine a month. You can see a movie every day. Yeah. Right. Most cinemas now seem to take it. Some don't. There's always been friction about what cinemas, you know, being on board with it, whether they're not. Now this week, the argument seems to be, yes, but is the business sustainable? The answer is academically no, because that company is making a huge loss. That company is subsidizing your movie ticket I was gonna every say, time. say, yeah, they've got to cover what you're not paying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, investors and analysts now have examined the company and said, no, it will not make money. The people who do run the company, however, said, well, you've got no faith in us. <sighs> Give us time. we got we got plans. Nice. So, you know what? Let's just let him be. Yeah. Let, let them be. Let, I'm sure they will, they, will, they will teach us the error of our ways. Or it will make a really cool movie. <laughs> or it will make an excellent movie, yes. <laughs> Presumably starring Jesse Eisenberg and Army Hammer. <laughs> uh, right, so uh, let the sun shine in. Okay. Which seems to have two titles. There's Let the Sun Shine In, and there's also Let the Sun Shine In. Okay? So, sunshine as a word, or sun, space, shine. Right? Two different versions. Stars Juliette Binoche, who for some reason I keep thinking is uh, Julia Ormond. Okay. They look very similar now at this age. It's very strange. Um... Right, the general gist of this one. This is a, a French dramedy, I would say. Juliette Binoche is a divorced middle-aged woman, uh, teenage daughter going off to college. She is trying to find new love in her life for the, you know, to find love for the next phase of her life. Okay. The only problem is she keeps encountering the same kind of guy. Right. The same kind of guy who's about five or ten years younger than her is usually involved with someone else and leaving them or in the process of leaving them and really just isn't looking for anything serious. He's trying to discover who he is. Okay. You know that guy? Yeah. They, they 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 have a term. I believe it's F star 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 boys. Yeah. 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 A friend of mine presented a lecture on these boys in film recently uh, at the BFI. Not even kin. Wow. Yeah. I know, I was, I was amazed for it. I didn't get to go. So annoyed. Um, but yeah, we know a clip. It's in French. Uh, she... <laughs> Well, we do have a clip. It's in French. Yeah. I don't speak French. You don't speak French. No. Presumably, uh, a decent percentage of our audience don't speak French. I had this last time I saw it. <laughs> exactly. So we're not having a clip. I will say this, though. Um, did very much enjoy it. Um, it gets progressively more ponderous as it goes on. And then there is a point at which it re- reaches maximum ponder. Okay. And maximum ponder comes about, strangely enough, with the arrival of Gerard Depardieu. 
Oh, wow. Who turns up late in this film and more or less says, I'm going to ponder at you now. Literally, the end credits of this movie play out over the image of Gerard Butler pondering at you. Gerard Butler? Uh, Gerard Butler. Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> Very different actors. <laughs> We're roasting our asses off. We're both sober, don't worry. And, yeah, I think it's, I might just call it heat stroke. Would it, would it be better with Gerard Butler? I mean, everything's better with Gerard Butler. Just, I mean, just, um, nope. I've, I, can't, I can't think of a Shakespeare play I don't want to see Gerard Butler in. I mean, there's a version of Phantom of the Opera that stars Gerard Butler as the Phantom, and we don't celebrate this fact. I mean, I'm just putting that out there. Anyway, back to uh, Let the Sunshine In, which is a really uh, well-crafted, really sharply put-together film. Great performance from Blosh Really, really good. And it's nice that she's gotten it for a change, and they've uh, they've not got the star of L in there to take it for a change. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, to be honest, the pondering towards the end does does really leave it on a sour note. I mean, it's over long anyway. Oh, yeah, and then the, the amount of ponderousness that comes in, it does go to show you exactly how much star power Gerard Depardieu still has, and has in his native land, uh, which is nice to see, but it doesn't quite come together for me. I found it too too laborious at the end. Oh, okay. But really well put together, really well shot. I love the performances in it. I think Benoche's really got something here. But uh, let's say they, they can't all be winners. This yeah. is mostly a winner. All right. Mostly a winner, just not all the way great. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. And we're back, Mr. Colson. Yeah. So, uh, Box Office Top 5? Yes. Cool. Number 5. Truth or death. Well, I haven't seen this one, so I couldn't possibly attest to it. Um, <laughs> I have heard it's dreadful. Okay. Uh, by pretty much everybody who's seen it. So, yeah. I mean, have we got a tweet on the matter that you know, someone's got to have another opinion? We do. It's... Uh... Okay. <laughs> it's from Toya, not Jackson. Okay, okay. That's brilliant. You win the internet. Uh, hashtag truth or dare was childish. Save your monies. Beloved. Beloveds? Yeah. Beloved. Oh, it's Beloveds. Beloveds, I believe. It's just shocking. <laughs> Making me read. Number four. Ready Player One. Right, you've seen this, haven't you? I have. Okay, what do you reckon? I enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. Okay, what'd you like about it? It looked great. Okay. I enjoy the fact that you go to the cinema for escapism, and it's a film about... Okay. I mean, it's Willy Wonka for the for millennials. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, it, it looked great, and I, I went to watch it, so... <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was, it was great. I thought it was a, a really good sort of updated Spielbergian sort of a property. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But the cast were very fun. Yeah, um, characters were fun. Slight issues with the narrative, but, you know, I've not, not really ever read the book, so I'm sure that's something that got dealt with in the book anyway. Um Ask yeah. Calvin. I'll ask Alvin, yes. Yeah. He's, he's a, well, actually, he was very harsh on it. Oh. Alvin was very harsh on the film uh, because he thinks it missed the point of the book entirely. Oh. Uh, I've not read the book. I think I'm on record as saying I'm pretty sure the book just reads like the lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gundam Wing, Metal Gear, Firefly, <laughs> Richard Gear. <you> know? <laughs> Something like that. Has someone tweeted to the to the positive or the negative? I don't know. Was, was someone tweeted anything? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Casey Barker. Uh, so we just went and watched Ready Player One. And didn't know what to expect. It's so sick. And then surfer bra emoji. So, okay, I will take that as a ringing endorsement then. Number three. Shh. Quiet place. Which is really good. 
It's really, really good. I did not expect it to be anywhere near as good as it was. This is basically Shyamalan directs a Stephen King movie. Okay. And I liked it. And John Krasinski looks like he's walked out of, you know, The Last of Us. And, you know, that that video game. Yeah. yeah. Um, Emily Blunt's great in it. The kids are great in it. Uh, I really thought this was just a tremendously effectively made movie. Now, please, never, ever make a sequel. Has anyone tweeted about it? <laughs> so um, It's going to be about a sequel now, isn't it? Like, yeah. I want to see a sequel. So someone called Julia, and I'm not going to read her actual name, because I will mess it up. Okay. But, uh, can't stop thinking about A Quiet Place, wondering how many people in the world died because they farted. That's entirely <laughs> possible. <laughs> yeah, like, or a sneeze, yeah. a little bit of a cough. Well, there's the moment where they, they have, like, a mechanism. To, they have a mechanism to allow them, where they, where they could feasibly have gone to fart, um, where they have like a waterfall and if you stand behind a waterfall because that's making the noise you can talk behind it and it's it's like a bonding moment he has with the sun so someone wrote into a film into a film a place where you can go to break wind yes this is actually a thing in a Hollywood movie John Krasinski of The Office The American Office wrote a movie with a mechanism in which you can break wind what a guy number two Peter Rabbit uh, well, hashtag not my Peter, as Case would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hated it with the fire of a thousand suns. Um, I really did. I just, it's just this, it's this nothing of a film. It's this crass, juvenile, Alvin and the Chipmunksy thing that seems to take place in the British countryside, and that's really the only identifiably British Beatrix Potter homaging aspect of it. Other than that, it's here's an animated James Gordon with all the annoyance of the actual live action James. Gordon. Yeah. And for some reason, Rose Byrne and Donald Gleason. <laughs> so, I, I wasn't a fan at all. I, I genuinely think it should put parents to sleep if they're, if they're unfortunate enough to take their kids to it. Um, and I, I will genuinely never, ever watch it again. So, um, <laughs> has anyone tweeted an opinion that I'm sure is probably very opposite to what I've said? Uh, yeah, so... Well, not as opposite. So, Elizabeth Rose, I think it says, is Peter Rabbit is one of the saddest movies I've ever seen. Oh, I've just been to the lakes um, near Lake Windermere and Bonus, just down the road, or Bonus. Bonus? I don't know what that is. What is it? It's uh, like a Peter Rabbit central. Okay, right. Um, so there was all of everything's Peter Rabbit and it's lovely and everything's really nice and really British and then you see this film and the reviews and it makes you sad. So I agree. Number two tweet. I agree. Number one. <laughs> Rampage. Did you know that genuinely is the theme song to Rampage? Really? By Kid Cudi. It is The Rage, and it samples Bullet with Butterfly Wings by the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, nice. Which I think is absolutely great, and means that The Rock has had a, had to have had a hand in that at some point, because he's The Rock. It's just uh, so cool. Yeah. Rampage is great. Have you seen it? No, not yet. Go and see it. It's great. Uh, so hopefully this weekend I can get it. So it's... Yeah, it's Dwayne Johnson and a monkey. And, yeah, Dwayne Johnson and a giant monkey and a giant alligator and a giant flying wolf. 
I like to make something bigger than the rock. They have yeah. to make it bigger than a building. Well, exactly. That's the only <laughs> way you can have something believably bigger than the rock. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved it. I think it wore its B-movie credentials on its sleeve. It knows that it's an adaptation of a dumbass arcade game from 1986. Oh, that's good. And... And it has absolutely no shame about it. It even has the arcade machine in the movie at one point, Brilliant. like in the bad guy's office. You're like, And the bad guys, by the way, who have been running all this, are running something they call Project Rampage. Beautiful. You know, full stop after every letter yeah. of Rampage. Oh, as one does. So you know, sort of like radioactive, animal <laughs> mutating, police antagonizing. Somebody spent ages trying to make it spell Rampage. <laughs> What's that line? Is that line, isn't it? What does that tell you about our organization? Someone really wanted our name to spell Shield. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> but uh, did you know, for instance, like speaking of that, did you know Lola in Shield is an abbreviation for something? Really? Yeah. I named my dog after what turned out to be an abbreviation. Levitating Overland Automobile. Uh, yeah. I mean, the middle name's McConaughey, so let's not, let's not, let's not split hairs here. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Rampage is absolutely terrific. You should absolutely go and see it. Uh, tonally, very much like something like San Andreas or something like that. Oh, so, cool. Uh, it, has, it has the fun, it has the spectacle, and damn it, it has the rock. So what does Twitter have for us? Uh, so Guy in Green WWE. Uh, this is a tweet to The Rock, so it's really enjoyed Rampage. Oh, is that to The Rock? So yeah, so okay. he says, really enjoyed Rampage, The Rock. Yeah. Uh, went in with little to no expectations and came out wanting to adopt a gorilla. As one does. As one does. I've often had that feeling. I want to adapt a gorilla. Adopt a gorilla. Adapt a gorilla? Adopt a gorilla. Uh, so, uh, back to the news for this week. Let's see what's, what's happening. Um, so... Idris Elba, I don't know if you know this one, Idris Elba's going to do a Netflix series. Cool. Right. It's basically been described as Charles in Charge for a new generation. He will play an eternal bachelor slash DJ. Okay. In a sitcom-like setting. Yeah. So he's just... It's called Turn Up Charlie. So, yeah, I'm on board for that. Idris Elba doing comedy is worth it to me on its own. Just having him on screen and I'm in. <laughs> exactly, yeah, why not? Um, but, yeah, yeah, we could do that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, that's the thing. Steven Spielberg is going to become the first filmmaker whose films have earned more than $10 billion. And you can thank Ready Player One for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just think, how weird is that? All the films he's made, all the game-changing, industry-defining movies he's made, and he's only now crossing $10 billion. He's the first person to do it. That's, that's that's bizarre. That's pretty good, though. Oh yes, it's just you would have just assumed that ten billion was years ago. Yeah, I mean the uh, Rock's opening weekends are pushing that now. I mean the Rock's opening weekends are like you know like five billion tops. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> let's talk then about Never Steady, Never Still, okay. um, which it's actually. I, I, you know, I'm just going to put this out there. It's actually kind of a really, really dark title, given that it's a movie about someone with Parkinson's. Oh. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a grim title. It's a bit rude. Yes. Um, this is written and directed by Kathleen Hepburn, and it stars Shirley Henderson, who you might know as Moaning Myrtle from Harry Potter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moaning Myrtle, yeah. <laughs> Um, the, the story here is um, it's, it's set in uh, Alberta, in Alberta, Canada. You know, uh, 
snowy remote area in Canada. Wolverine goes there a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, so she is uh, she's a newly widowed mother who has who has quite late stage Parkinson's. Goes to support group, try and try and you know uh, find some sort of sense of community. And then meanwhile, her son is working on the oil fields on the, in the oil camps of Alberta, okay. and he is having issues of his own that seem to relate to drugs and relate to sexuality and self expression and confidence and really just finding himself and uh, well we don't have a clip okay. uh, even though it is in english it's just we couldn't find a clip oh, to be right. honest. Okay. um this is uh this i mean it's a stunning looking film I mean, you got a movie that takes place around the oil camps of Alberta, then, yeah, it, it's probably better off being a good-looking one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very grim. It's a very, very grim movie. It's very bleak. It's very... Uh, I mean, it, it will... It will pl- it plunges its fist all the way down into, into the recesses of your soul oh, okay. and just pulls up as much as it can to leave you with nothing inside. Um, it, it's very, very emotionally taxing and a large part of that is down to Shirley Henderson who's just... Oh, she's, I mean, she's terrific in this. And not just the, the performance of someone with Parkinson's because obviously that's an element all unto itself that you have to get yeah, right. Yeah. But the performance even outside of that is very layered. It's very textured. It's as a really really deep, really insightful performance. She has this character absolutely through and through. I wasn't quite as fond of, I think his name is uh, Theodore Pellerin, who plays his son. Wasn't quite as fond of him, because I don't think he's written with anywhere near the sort of clarity that she is. Her arc is a lot more... a, a lot more coherent, a lot more for lack of a better term, understandable. His is a lot more wayward, a lot more opportunistic, a lot, yeah, a lot more as and when. Okay. And as a result, the two don't quite line up in terms of like who's, who's having the better time. It doesn't at all. It's clearly Shirley Henderson's show. But, uh, I mean, his performance is fine. I don't think his role's as good. Okay. Because I don't think it's sketched out with the insight that hers is. Right. Having said that, though, great movie. Really liked it. There you go. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back for one last ride. So, Mr. Coulson, um, (laughs) when was the last time you saw David Tennant in the movie? Um... I, I don't remember actually. I remember seeing him in Jessica Jones. Yeah, it's probably in mine and Kel's sort of yearly rewatch of the Harry Potter films. <laughs> Isn't he Barty Crouch Jr.? Yeah, he's the guy that keeps going like. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the that's the girlfriend, for, the love interest from It's Always Sunny. Um, <laughs> right. So David Tennant uh, stars in You, Me, and Him, which uh, also stars Lucy Punch. Okay. And uh, we well, remember Lucy Punch. She's the uh, the wide-eyed, very comedic actress. She played uh, the uh, the young lover of the actor in Hot Fuzz. Remember that? She's the terrible actress who gets murdered. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember her, uh, right? Uh, she turned. She she has this this repertoire where she's kind of annoying. Yeah. And the way that they've made this work over the years is they keep putting her in roles that enable her to be annoying as part of the role. Perfect. And as a result, you kind of like her. Well, what they've done is they've given her the lead here. Okay. And they've forgotten that they need to cater for the fact that she's a little bit annoying. <laughs> and uh, as a result, yeah, it's it's a bit annoying. Who knew? <laughs> um, right. The story here is she is. Um, she is a successful sort of middle management type 
uh, in uh, just about to hit 40. Woman, she's tired of seeing her co-workers go off on maternity leave. She is uh, she's in a same-sex relationship with uh, Faye Marseille, who is um, not really... We're led at the beginning of the film. It's meant to be quite a casual relationship. They've okay. not been together that long. She doesn't think it will last that long, but this seems to get cast by the wayside when Lucy Punch's character decides she wants to have a baby. Okay. Right, so, you've got a gay couple, one of whom, the older one, wants to have fertility treatment so that she can be pregnant. In the meanwhile, Faye Marseille's character, um, at a house party for David Tennant, their next-door neighbour, who's recently divorced and is styled up to look like the most deranged hipster you've ever seen. Okay. This is neckbeard Tennant. Nice. This is neckbeard tenant with the ear stretching. Oh, nice. You know, and 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 the the proper the, the proper quaff haircut. You know, this is full blown hipster. Uh, well, anyway, so Faye Marseille and David Tennant uh, have a few too many. They hook up for the night after a row, and what you have are both parties are now pregnant. Oh, yeah. So it literally is a case of you, me, and him. Here is a clip in which David Tennant receives this news, along with several other pieces of news. Consummation, clause 14 states that... I'm pregnant! (laughs) Snap. Can you be without her? No. Be easy, right? Having a baby is just like having a mate around who's always pissed. They just need propping up now and again and give them fluids. Let's be having some babies. I'm stuck. Who is the daddy? I am the daddy. Yes, you are. She's pregnant. You are going to be a daddy. I thought you meant sexually. Right, that really is the tone of the whole thing. This is the debut uh, by Daisy Atkins, who's otherwise a comedic actress. Uh, She's done a couple of shorts. This is her first feature film. And wow, the tone doesn't work. The, the tone really doesn't work. If I were to compare it to anything, actually, it would be... Do you ever see Maybe Baby? No, no. Right, that was Ben Elton's feature film adaptation of his own book, Inconceivable. That'd be why I hadn't seen it. Yeah, and I'm a big Ben Elton fan, but even I'll watch Maybe Baby and think, yeah, it doesn't quite work, and the Westlife sequence is just nauseating. Please take it away. Although, does have um, two of my favourite things in the world, which are uh, James Purefoy... Just the existence of James Purefoy is one of my favourite things in the world. Uh, um, yeah. He should have been Bond. Hashtag should have been Bond. And uh, after Brosnan, should have been Bond. Um, and uh, Tom Hollander, as uh, as at that point, quite a cutting-edge, very biting, scathing Scottish filmmaker. Worth the film purely on its own. I used him in an essay once at uni. It was great. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's a go-to point of mine. <laughs> if you ever want to condemn the British film industry, refer to Tom Hollander's character in Maybe Baby, because no one's ever seen the movie and can therefore prove you wrong. Anyway, <laughs> it's a great trick to have. It's like quoting Kevin Smith in a university article. Nobody knows. It's great. Maybe now. But uh, so the problem with this is it never quite settles on any of the elements that it wants to run with. So you have a film that's a hodgepodge of different ideas, a hodgepodge of the of the same-sex relationship, a hodgepodge of the accidental pregnancy relationship. It, it, it veers from going chasing Amy to going maybe baby. It wants to be taken seriously at times, but it has absolutely it, it's willing to you know lay absolutely no groundwork to get there. Right. So you have a film that's really kind of unfunny, even when it's trying to be funny. It's mostly just a little bit annoying, actually. Okay. Um, but, you know, you stick with it because it's short and simple and it's, it's not really too taxing. And, you know, it's not the worst film. It's not even the worst film out this week, if we're honest. But you come away from it and you just think, nothing about that worked because there's no setup for anything. 
I mean, <laughs> I'm going to get to a worse one in the next film. Don't worry. Okay. But there are. I mean, there's there's quite a dark turn in the story towards the end of the second act, say. But it feels very unearned. It feels like it's completely out of place with just how silly the rest of it actually is. Right. And whereas they should be more willing to lean into the outright chauvinism of the David Tennant character, they shy away from that as well. The other thing is, and I found this this was quite uncomfortable to watch, actually, there's a level of very antiquated thought process in how they handle the central same-sex relationship, the central lesbian relationship at the centre of it. Um and this comes to a boil twice in a, in a sort of recurring gag involving Don Warrington, of all people, who turns up and asks very ignorant questions. Very, very, like, sitcom 1993-level <laughs> questions about a lesbian relationship that you just think, uh, I can't imagine anybody from the LGBT community ever actually read this script before you started making it, because I'm pretty sure someone would have slapped someone across the face and said, no. Right. <laughs> yeah. Having said that, though, again, not the worst film I've seen even this week, but passable at best. Yeah. And perhaps the most depressing thing is it does kind of give a free pass to Maybe Baby, because that movie looks a lot better in hindsight. You know, Westlife moment notwithstanding. But, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> have you got some film news you want to talk about? Anything? Uh, yeah. Go on, what do you got? Our boy. Our boy. Wait, the Rock? Is it The Rock? It's our other boy. Our other boy? Statham. They aren't boys, although nearly. Yeah. So, it's our other boy that isn't boy with first boy, knows other boy, Vinny D. Vinny D. Oh, Vin Diesel. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes, he bought Triple X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, this is not the first time he's done this, either. No. No. So, years ago, uh, you remember when he turned up in the final moment of of Tokyo Drift? Yes. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Well, he did that on the condition that they not only gave him the rights to the Riddick series, yeah. but that they made him a producer on the rest of the Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, you know, he knows a shrewd deal when, yeah. when it comes and to it. And then he chucked out another Riddick he film. He chucked out a Riddick movie, Riddick and His Dog, which wasn't bad. <laughs> you know, I quite liked Riddick and His Dog, The, adve- the Adventures of a Murderer and His Dog. Um, I quite liked that. Um, Fast and the Furious went the way it did, which is, you know, for better or worse, I quite like it. Um, now he's he and H Collective... Which okay. is uh, up and coming, uh, up and coming action and horror sort of collective, uh, and his one race productions. Who you might have seen his logo at the beginning yeah, of some yeah, of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. They are going to make a fourth Triple X movie. It's going to start filming in a matter of months. DJ Caruso, who directed the last one, is coming back. We don't know who the cast is going to come back. Dipika Padacone, uh, Ruby Rose, uh, is Ice Cube coming back? We don't know. Okay. But uh, either way, there is going to be a Triple X4. DJ Caruso will be directing it. Vin Diesel will be in it and owning it. And making uh, even more money. Literally owning it. He's printing his own money at this stage. <laughs> um, because that last movie went gangbusters overseas. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. So, look forward to more Triple X in your future. And it means that my left arm is at least slightly, fa- slightly fashionable in China still. So, yeah. It's <laughs> a really, really long shot for you there. Really long shot. Well, if you do get drunk and tattoos. Anyway. <clears throat> right, final film of the week. Wildling. Okay. Okay, right. I'm going to give you the concept. I'm going to give you a clip. And we're going to talk about this. Okay. This stars Bell Powley, Liv Tyler, and Brad DeRiff. Okay. Okay, good cast. Very good cast. Right. It is the story of a young girl, Anna, played by Bell Powley, who is raised in captivity room style. She is basically kept by a man she knows only as Daddy, and she is kept, she is told, for she's kept and drugged 
for her protection against something called the Wildling. And, like the movie Room, she is then freed. She's she's freed by a police officer who takes her back to sort of civilization, uh, takes her into her home, sort of uh, temporarily adopts her, and basically tries to reacclimatize her to society. However, it quickly transpires that the drugs Daddy was giving Anna were in fact staving off her uh, her emergence into puberty. Okay, so he was keeping her, you know, infantilized, as it were. Right. Her emergence into the real world cuts off that drug supply. Uh, we're told that it was a matter of moments before it actually started to seriously kill her. Right. Um, her emergence into puberty, though, also brings with it a certain level of curiosity that sees her exploring not only pubescent issues, but also just what the wildling was and what it could have done to her. And, yeah, here's a clip. Hi. It's okay. I'm here to help you. I'm the one who found you. Your neighbors called me to report a gunshot. Sheriff Ellen Cooper. I have a few questions to ask you. Would that be okay? Yeah. What's your name? Anna. Anna? It's nice to meet you, Anna. What's your last name? Anna. Bell Powley there. Imagine him enough. Named Anna. Okay. Uh, so, uh, right. Bell Powley, terrific. Bell Powley's always terrific. Bell Powley in uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl, I think, is an, an absolute wonder. I think she's genuinely brilliant. I walked past her in Soho once. I didn't have the nerve to say hello. Well played. No, no. I, I just I just couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> so I dodge because I'm such a big fan of, of her in a royal night out that I'm worried I'd be like, cooey. Anyway. <laughs> I saw Danny Wallace once in, in, in London, and I pointed and went, that's Danny Wallace, and then froze. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Bell Powley, terrific in this. Okay. Really terrific. Brad DeRiff, king of creepy. Brings it home. <laughs> Liv Tyler is Liv Tyler. All right. Yeah. Not much to really say with that one. She's Liv Tyler. She's fine, I guess. She's she's Liv Tylering it up. Um, right. There's there's a feeling through this that you get very early on in this movie that it reminds you if you if you not so much are a horror fanatic but if if you've seen certain flagship moments of the horror genre right. over the last twenty years there is one very specific film this continuously reminds you of. And I won't tell you what it is because it would it would form a spoiler. All right. Um, when the movie gets to a certain point, it needs to drop the hammer, as I call it. It needs to drop the hammer, give up the game, and just go with what's actually going on. Yeah. yeah. When it gets to that point, like, oh, okay, so now it literally is that movie. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I wasn't just thinking of that movie for no reason. It turns out the movie had that in mind the whole time. Okay. Oh. Having said that. There are little signs that this is going to happen, that this big reveal is coming. Okay. It, they're still not exactly subtle enough. And they lack subtlety to the point that, do you remember when we saw 47 Ronin about four, year, four or five years ago on Christmas? Yeah. Like, we, 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 your, your missus fell asleep in the cinema. Went we, to sleep. Went to sleep. Actively, went, Actively to sleep went to sleep. In the cinema <laughs> whilst we got drunk at one o'clock in the afternoon and watched, uh, uh, 47 Ronin. Yeah. And there was a moment in that film in which out of the blue, Keanu Reeves just suddenly conjures up magic powers that he'd never mentioned having before. By the we way, ref- magic. We've always referred to this as "by the way, a magic." Yeah. yeah, yeah, we love a "by the way, a magic" moment. It's the best. <laughs> right. This movie kind of has a "by the way, a magic" moment. It's not magic, obviously. It's not yeah. like she turns out to be a wizard or anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, there's a by the way, a magic moment that almost tops Keanu Reeves in 47 Ronin. Okay. There are subtle hints leading up to it, but they're not exactly subtle enough. And when it gets to its big reveal, they've not really established it well enough for it to really be as effective as it should be. Bell Powley, though, does play it very well. Okay. Like, in spite of how ludicrous it is, Bell Powley does make it work. The film, on the whole, is bonkers, but I loved it. Oh. I had a, I had a great time with it. I mean, I think that big reveal does not work, and it's <laughs> insane, but fine, I guess. Okay. I've seen worse. Why not? You know, there we are. That's, that's where I'll go with it. Um, if you are a fan of the horror genre, check it out. If you like a good room-style psychological drama, like a, a reacclimatizing the real world, definitely check it out as well. It doesn't lean too hard on the horror side of it, I don't think, until okay. until maybe the third act. Right. But, uh, but yeah, definitely is worth a look. Bell Powley alone is worth giving this a look. Oh, okay. so, but, uh, and, and, you know, it's got Brad DeRiff in it. Brad DeRiff is awesome in anything. <laughs> you know? So, next week. Oh, we need to pick a film of the week. Yeah. yeah. Do, do. Okay, uh, film of the week. Oh, wow, now you're asking. What have we had? What have we had? It's not going to be you, me, and him, is it? It's going to be... Uh... That's Wildling. Yeah. Wildling's film of the week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Eh, Hell Pally trumps everything. <laughs> anyway, uh, so next week, uh, tons of fun to come. Next week we're going to have uh, Beast is out next week. That looks really interesting. That's a sort of uh, innocent girl falls in love with bad boy kind of a tale. Okay. Is he bad, though? We shall find out. <laughs> um, we've also got The Wound, which looks like an interesting doc. We've got, and I don't even know how to say this, The Deminer or The Demeanor? Deminer? Uh, I, I, I don't know. You're talking to me. Yeah, well, okay, that's true. And, uh, oh, yeah, the the Avengers are having an Infinity War yeah. next week, which you might hear a lot about. It seems to be quite anticipated. Yeah. It's not that I've bought entire items of clothing based on this movie. I'm not even kidding. I actually did. Uh, so, point did I think you were kidding? No. <laughs> I bought the Tony Stark uh, camo thingy, camo oh, wow. uh, outfit thing that he has. Wow. <laughs> It looks awesome. I want one. <laughs> anyway, uh, they don't sell his new art reactor though yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I will acquire one. Anyway, uh, so we've got all those to come out more next week off screen. Uh, when Case will be back, uh, because we've specifically arranged it so we can both have seen Infinity War and, and we can nerd out about it together. Okay. Um, yeah, so in the meanwhile, that's that's everything, really. It's been, this has been a candy store book for uh, On Screen. I've been Van Conner. I've been John Coulson. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras. So, uh, you really want to talk about the Deadpool trailer, didn't you? Yeah, I really did. It was so good, wasn't it? I actually cried with laughter. You did, you did. What was that? The uh, Your bullets, they're so fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does look like it's going to be a seriously great movie, Deadpool 2. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I can't wait for it. It's just going to be so much fun. Uh, I really like I mean, I, did I show you that Avengers Infinity War trailer where someone had just replaced everyone with Deadpool? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. That was, I like, they should have actually done something like that as a trailer. It would have been terrific. I love the whole Deadpool just being accepted by everybody and things getting weird. Yep, that's true. Uh, hey, do you remember Maleficent? Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of sucked, didn't it? Doesn't it? I avoided it, yeah. and everyone came back saying it sucked. Well, yeah, I, th- I said it sucked, and it's a movie about rape for little girls. Yeah. Yeah, which is a very weird thing, because I, there was, like, a, a six-year-old girl in a in a Snow White costume sat next to me in the cinema, and I'm watching the movie thinking, this is a massive rape allegory. 
it's 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 so glaringly obvious that this is a massive rate. And I'm looking over, and the mum's watching it, and she's she's like not seeming to notice. And the little girl's loving it. I'm just like, I feel really uncomfortable right now. I mean, it might be say more about me than anything else, but you know, yeah, it's, it's, bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> this is why semiotic analysis and subtext are not welcome things in a multiplex. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Maleficent Two's happening. Uh, <clears throat> all right. right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if St. 2 is happening, this one's about abortion. Um, I'm kidding, it's not. Obviously, it's not. Yeah. Please don't ride in. Um, Ed Screen is going to play the villain of it. Remember Ed Screen? He's the guy that signed on to Hellboy, the reboot, not realising he was playing a, uh, a a Japanese character. Yeah, he's the um, Deadpool. Yes, yeah, he's the Deadpool villain. Yeah, yeah he's Ajax. Yes. Sorry, Francis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they always gloss over the fact that Deadpool goes around murdering people in that movie, asking where Francis is. Nobody knows he's called Francis. Yeah. yeah. You're killing them for no reason. <laughs> Wrong question, if you'd dude. Asked the, if you'd asked the very first guy where Ajax was, you know, it might have happened. So, Harley Quinn. Yeah. Are you not sick of her yet? Um... Well, by, like, the first ten minutes of it being on screen, I was kind of sick of it. Harley Quinn's kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey. You remember how Fifty the existence of Fifty Shades of Grey was amusing for about 20 minutes? Yes. Like, you didn't like Fifty Shades of Grey, but it was just amusing that this thing existed and was of interest to so many people. He's like, that's just funny. Yeah. Harley Quinn's kind of like that. In fact, Harley Quinn is a fetish unto herself because, you know, we know Calvin, for instance. So yeah. we, we know that there are guys out there who, you know, really fetishize the whole Harley Quinn thing. Well, obviously, you know, post-Suicide Squad, Warner Brothers like Harley Quinn very much. Yeah. And, you know, they've got some some kind of deal with uh, Margot Robbie going. I assume it's like a six-film contract under, under there somewhere. But uh, so they are making another movie with Harley Quinn, and this is going to delay Suicide Squad 2. Well, that's a win. Well, yeah, so consider it, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Anything that keeps another Suicide Squad movie away from us is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, Kathy Yan, who directed Dead Pigs and used to actually be a Wall Street Journal, uh, Wall Street Journal uh, reporter. Okay. She has entered talks to film. It's an untitled film. It's going to center around Harley Quinn, but apparently be based on Birds of Prey. Are you familiar with Birds of Prey? No. Right. Okay. Birds of Prey did get something of a weird nod in Arrow a few years ago, actually. All right. Was this after I gave up on Arrow? Probably after you gave up. Yeah. yeah. Was, there's a lot happened in the Arrowverse since you gave up on it. Oh. You know, like the existence of the Flash. Anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, the interesting stuff. Yeah. Ralph Uncle, et cetera. <laughs> um, right. So the idea of Birds of Prey is it's the girl team of the DC universe. It oh, is like yeah, Oracle yeah. and, you know, Oracle and Catwoman and, and uh, you know, all those characters. And Harley Quinn doesn't really fit into it, but now will be made to. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, Kathy Yen. So, there you go. That's, that's apparently a priority over Suicide Squad 2. So, let's just call that a silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> and, and safely move on. Do you remember, uh, actually, do you remember uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson's doing a, a, a movie based on the Jungle Cruise ride from Disneyland? Yeah. Right. They've got a villain for that now? Okay. Yeah. It's uh, Edgar Ramirez who you might remember as ruining everything you loved about Point Break. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember the guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep putting him in things. No one knows why. And he kind of just shows up. He does this scowly thing and a bit of a sneer, and then the film's over and you forget about him. Okay. Yeah, he was all right in that Deliver Us From Evil, though. Okay. Quite liked him in that. Yeah. But yeah, he's the villain of Jungle Cruise. So, you know. Based on the ride. Based on the ride. I mean, how bad could that go? Well, have you been on the ride? No. 
Well, then you don't know how Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> That's what I mean. I've not been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride either, but... Seriously. You know, no, I don't think I ever did. I've been to Euro Disney. Well, Disneyland Paris, sorry, now. I'm old enough to remember when it was Euro Disney. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been to Disneyland Paris once. You know, one like Space Mountain, things like that. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Uh, well, Jungle Cruise is a crap ride, so I have no faith that the film's going to be any good. No? Okay. Uh, we have new film news, by the way. <laughs> Since we... Uh, oh, Jesse Plemons is going to be in Jungle Cruise as well, by the way. You know Meth Damon? Um, the, uh, from, uh... From, uh, Game Night? Yeah! Yeah, yeah, Game Night. How good was Game oh, Night? Oh, dude, you know I love Oh, Game, Game Night was so good. <laughs> um, so, new news has come in. Um... Meth Damon. That's what they could ask. He was called Meth Damon. A lot of people refer to him as Meth. Da- I know it's cruel. It took a while to like sink in, but oh wow. Yeah, but once it clicks, you're like, yeah, that's mean. Yeah, that- it is mean, but that's how people know him. You know. Okay, so um, do you remember there was a whole thing for a while that Dexter Fletcher was going to direct the uh, Freddie Mercury movie? Yes. And that never happened. Yes. Right. So it turns out he is going to direct a uh, a musical biopic, Okay, but a different one. He is going to direct the Elton John one. Oh, wow. Imaginatively enough, entitled Rocket Man. Oh, come on. And it's going to star Taron Egerton. Yeah, I know. Is that because they met on... Yeah, presumably. Yeah. Well, because Taron Egerton presumably is the only person in the world who saw what Elton John was bringing to Kingsman 2 and didn't say, please go away. <laughs> please go away. It's not funny. It's not big. It's not clever. We get it. You can swear. Yeah. Please sod off. I know. Yeah, what the hell? Yeah. You know, that gag was funny maybe twice. No, it wasn't. In fact, no, it, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't, because <laughs> I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh at all during Kingsman the Golden Circle. I remember distinctly not laughing. Yeah. And I remember distinctly not laughing, because I also remember how weird and jarring it was whenever you heard another human being laugh in that screening room. It was a bad film. Yeah, that was a movie so bad, Fox didn't reply to the last minute to who could actually go and see it. And then you saw the movie like, yeah, that was why. Okay. <laughs> It was bad. It was very, very bad. Um, right. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. We're going to have Tyron Egerton's Elton John. Just, oh, okay. just, just go with that. So, uh, the Danish film After the Wedding, which I don't know if you've ever seen it like on Netflix or anything like that. Uh, it starred Mads Mikkelsen. Okay. It is getting remade by uh, Suzanne Beer. It is going to star Julianne Moore. Okay. And in new news, it is also going to star Michelle Williams. So, we apparently exist in a film industry now in which we are to celebrate the hiring of Michelle Williams every time, because she's occasionally good, and occasionally she makes all the money in the world, which is about as pedestrian a movie as you can get. Okay. So, you know, one of those movies where you can actually replace an entire cast member, it isn't a better film. You know, that kind of thing. All right, cool. Yeah. So, you know, goody gum drops. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see, Lord Michaels is producing a movie called Baby Nurse. Okay. I presume it's about a baby or a nurse, or a baby who is a nurse. Or a nurse who's a baby. Oh, maybe it's like a body swap movie with a baby and a nurse. Maybe it's a baby called Nurse. Oh, that's 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 just weird. Nurse called Baby. It's like naming your baby Keith. It's like... <laughs> Who says, oh, look at adorable little Keith. It's not a name for a baby, is it? It's a name for a 50-year-old man. Old-fashioned names are comedy, really. <laughs> yeah. It's a name for a 50-year-old man, but it's not a name for a baby. Um, it's like I've never understood how they name babies like Bernard. Well, they don't anymore. Well, they don't anymore. <laughs> but like, if you did... <laughs> anyway... 
<laughs> okay, neither here nor there. The Deadpool 2 trailer's out. Go and see it. Apparently Homeland's ending next year, by the way. That's going out as well, man. Oh, that's still on my watch list. Like, I, I didn't even know it was still going. Okay. I, mean, it's, I, I just didn't... Didn't they kill Damien Lewis years ago? Well, I've just said I've not seen it. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, yeah. But so, yeah, like, the first two series are about Damien Lewis, and they're not, but... Yeah, it, uh, the show's obviously been going for like seven years. Most of it has taken place without Damien Lewis. All right, uh, so just just to make sure. Yeah, yeah, there You've we go. Spoiled. <laughs> I have spoiled. I have spoiled it for you. Um, oh, also, a news that made me very happy: Carla Gugino has a Cinemax series of her own. I'm the world's biggest Carla Gugino fan. Um, I am. I, I, I am. You, you're looking at me baffled. I'm a big fan of Carla Gugino. Always have been. You're doing the name thing again. Oh, okay. Uh, let me think. What you would? She's Dwayne Johnson's wife in San Andreas. Okay. Okay. There you go. She's also in Sin City and Roadies. Okay. But, and the Paulie Shaw movie Son-in-Law, which is where I first encountered her in 1991. So, I've been a Carl Gugino fan for more than 20 years. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, just, but I, I've been a Carl Gugino fan longer than I've had arm hair. But, uh, and I'm Arab. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like toddler age. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, <laughs> on that bombshell, <laughs> here it is, your moment of cage. You know who's going to inherit the earth? Arms dealers. Because everyone else is too busy killing each other. That's the secret to survival. Never go to war. Especially with yourself. 